0: anything's possible though because you know bitcoin is money so you know money
1: talk man welcome to the bitcoin podcast powered by coin telegraph what began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem as citizens of the internet we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode...
2: 113 i'm your first host marcello and i'm host number two d host number three Corey. what's up what's up
0: everybody?
3: welcome back welcome back
2: welcome back
1: price is over a grand again
2: Looking one fi- 115 i think 121 it's oh. raised five bucks since the last time i looked today we're giving you the
3: price right up
2: front that's right yeah. and what's nice about a, this i don't know i i was looking at kind of the run-up and it's not it's not crazy fast this time or does it doesn't feel as crazy fast as it was previously yeah like it's, it's kind of it's kind of been gradual since it's dropped down from the like what, 1150 and i want it to be nice and slow well everyone does it Especially seems as though this, this, oh. this is the way that it's going i don't know it's you like, went- I'm not, I'm. I'm done trying to figure out what the price is going to do. I think that it'll increase over time. That's about all I can say.
3: Um. Yeah. That's. Is that it? How. How. How confident can you say that?
2: What. What depends on what level of time we're talking about.
3: Within the next five I'm,
2: years, with the Bitcoin yeah, price, I'm not is. even. I'm not even confident in that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You I mean, know what I love. It's like what if what if bitcoin doesn't doesn't change what if like, we never no, what if it just like we can't pass segwit and bitcoin unlimited forks the network and like what if all these things happen that the community's incredibly fearful about like but and or nothing happens then the price can go any which way so yeah who knows or what I like and, your strategy but then
3: people kind of come and re- they rely on us to have some sort of future predictor impulse, some sort we can, of future you can predictor tell them sensing. what's
2: happening and what we think might continue to happen based on our current current understanding of the community. But. That's all you can get from anyone, anyone who gives you a real hard price prediction is full of shit.
3: I like I like your method, basically, if anybody asks me, I'm just going to go, I don't know, but I got some great popcorn that you can share with me while we watch this shit. That's going to be my response. It's like you
2: have to go ahead, Chella. Well,
1: Bitcoin price is going to skyrocket if it becomes the world's reserve currency by 2020.
2: By 2020? I'll give you that. That's true. So that's
1: That's three years from now. That's a
2: big if.
3: Man, I'm just happy that I have that amount of Bitcoin that I wanted when I started playing this game. And I was like, cool, I don't even have to buy any more Bitcoin if I don't want to. Like, I could just keep.
2: I want to be living. in the one million club. Oh, huh? I want to be in the one million club. Oh, you do, sir. I, want, I want 21 bitcoins or more. Yep. So that way I can and say so. at, at the end of the day, I know that only one one million other people at maximum can have as much Bitcoin as I do
3: and then you go and then you find them and then you cut their fucking head off and lightning sh- starts raining down from the sky and you can lo- you look at their dead body and you say there can only be one
2: i already do that with redheads <laughs>
1: <laughs> what happens to a dead man's big one
2: they die with him if he doesn't have ways for people he knows to get them i don't think people realize like there they are there there are a ton of Bitcoin in like that have been released that have been mined previously that will never, ever be touched again. It's like because, a sunken ship because people lost those private keys. Yeah. What's well, that worse than that? Because you can't go deep sea diving for the most. They're just gone. Yeah, so that, that just gone. lowers the total amount of Bitcoin that can ever be used in circulation, which ultimately increases the the, the scarcity and price of bitcoin of what's left yeah but in terms of like let's say here's here's an like an interesting part about this is that say for instance it becomes the world reserve currency and everyone uses bitcoin and slowly but surely people just lose their bitcoin over a long period of time like that ha- it's going to happen people are going to fuck up people are gonna like the phone's going to blow up, and that's where they held the only private key for that certain amount of Bitcoin, and so forth. Over eventually, Bitcoin will, will, will leave the circulation because people can't access it because they lost their private keys.
3: But you know what? That's a great part. That's, that's I like that you brought that up because that's that's a lot of the questions that I get on, on Ramping with D are just that. People literally don't know how to handle something that they can't handle. You know what I mean? It's
1: weird. There's no coin. There's no, and they're like, "Well, what?" But that was never here? an issue with like iTunes. No one was like, "Oh man, I can't hold the CD," so I'm really afraid of iTunes. That was never yeah. a hump that Apple had to get over. So why is it that way with Bitcoin?
3: I'm sure it was with some people, just not a lot of people gave a damn. You know, just just not a lot. But
2: I think because <laughs> you could just copy the shit out of that stuff and never have an issue about it.
3: Yeah, with Bitcoin, you can't really. What you said the other day, Corey and Cello I don't know, Cello, I don't think you heard it. It was when we were round in last week and Corey put everything in perspective. He said before Bitcoin, when you sent something on the internet, you also had a copy of it. But with Bitcoin, when you send something on the internet, you don't have a copy of it anymore. It's unique ones and zeros that no longer belong to you.
2: It introduces the idea of ownership. Whereas previously with just the internet, there was no ownership it was just i have a copy you get a copy yeah. everyone gets a copy
3: everyone gets a copy of and this song
2: like the i guess the blockchain movement is introducing ownership to where if i give something to someone else on the internet i no longer have it and they do and it's a unique digital good you can good. prove it and it's secure right so like that's that's the whole point but yep. if you lose what gives you that ownership the private keys, then nobody owns it. And no, there is no third party to bring it back. Yeah.
1: So, so you've done five episodes of on-ramping and your latest episode was your first person over the age of 40. What was his concern that differed from like the young people from the past episodes? Was it that aspect?
3: Um, I don't know if he was really concerned. He was more of the really 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 curious type and i believe his main concern was kind of like around the cryptography and the miners because nobody really wants nobody everybody wants to understand that intuitively like oh how is it generated ooh miners what's that about but then when you really start getting into the nitty-gritty it becomes this like oh no wonder you like it it's actually really fucking difficult to get new Bitcoin into circulation. So he's really, he was really curious about the mining and, and cryptography and 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 how that works together to introduce new Bitcoin into the system. And then for what's been happening lately is at the end of every on with D, it's like people's minds are blown. So then it just gets into this like, what's the future gonna be
2: like? Ten minute discussion. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how everyone gets into this whole thing, right? Like that's all we got into it. Yeah. Other than it like, is. other than trying to make a profit off mining, we were like, yep. "Well, what? This is going to touch everything," and we just kind of, you know, do the the stereotypical like stoner what ifs all day long, Uh-oh. and get excited. A world without banks. Yeah. And then you know what? Five, six years down the road. Did it, did it, did it, did it. I mean, we're, we're here. So
3: doing what, that at the show has been eye opening. So,
2: yeah, I think it's a, it's good for people to kind of hear from. We get stuck in this bubble of talking to people around us that, and like, forget that no one knows what this. Like, when I say no one, I mean the vast majority of people don't know what Bitcoin is. They may have heard about Bitcoin. You may have like heard it in the news, saw it on Mr. Robot, understood that it's a thing and people are excited about it. But yeah. still don't know what it means. Or worse, have no. a a wrong idea about it and think that it is something that it's currently not. And mm. that's the that's the vast amount of people out there.
3: So do you guys think that um the neat nifty little trick that btc china and other who, who be, or whatever you say they're basically just saying hey in order to appease the regulators are saying hey let's just go buy millibits now so it doesn't seem so drastic these gains they're so now what do you mean they're not doing this it's that's what they're doing
2: explain to me what they're doing
3: they in order so the regulators came in and said hey you're not following the anti-money laundering laws as, as closely as we told you to do that. And they were like, our bad. And so then they so they, they started um, appeasing to those laws and they also introduced trading fees
2: That's a big on one. their people. That's a really, that's really, a, really big one.
3: Yeah, that's a big one. But they also said, hey, we're not going to go buy just Bitcoin anymore. So it's not like one Bitcoin is a thousand or what, 3,000? yawn or 4,000 however many the, the conversion ratio is uh, instead we're going by millibits now
2: yeah I don't so, think that makes a difference I don't think that I think that... it does make a difference
3: I think it makes a difference to newcomers when they log on to an exchange and they're like oh Bitcoin's not even that expensive
2: maybe but for regulators like re- regulators understand what a unit conversion is I don't know man I, 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 I feel that real did, bad if people that... that regulate our money don't know what the difference between like hundred pennies and one dollar is. Um, dude,
3: you know how stupid people can be. Yeah, I'm but... just saying. I'm just saying. Like, I I doubt the regulators. Yes, but I'm talking newcomers getting in the oh, big I agree. Now. It makes a you... difference
2: for people like coming in and like having a different, like, more human acceptable number to what they can buy or what they feel like they can they can invest in that's 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 reasonable but like is it affecting the overall price because someone switched to a more human acceptable number no it's like it's the it's the fees the trading fees associated with what they introduced as well as the fact that they can't do 100 times margin when they're trading
3: I mean, yes, ultimately, but I'm talking the the, inc- the slow increase. And if you looked at the volume, it dropped down to like 134.2 thousand Bitcoin a day, and now it's up to 250.3 k Bitcoin a day. I mean, it's slowly getting back up there.
2: Yeah, but that new volume. The vol- is like, like- from- yeah, but the volume was there, but the change in price, the volatility in price, respective to that amount of volume is much smaller, which means you don't have people doing incredibly large amounts of sum. So it's, it's, it's a lot more frequency of trading. There's a lot more trades going on and less mm-hmm. of, of smaller volume, adding up to the same volume of a few trades of like thousands of bitcoins.
1: Are we, are we talking about like suppressing markets to prop up currencies? are we
0: talking about
3: it i don't think we have talked about it and i don't think the bitcoin community has that kind
2: of power what do you mean (laughs) cello like how do you how do you suppress a market to prop up a currency
1: well if governments have succeeded in in suppressing gold and silver markets to prop up currencies i don't see why we can't do the same to our tiny little market right the the other avenue for governments or banks to take would be to buy up large sums of bitcoin on the OTC markets, and then sell them on the exchanges during like illiquid trading hours, as has been proven banks to do with the silver market. And uh, I'm not sure if anyone's doing that at the moment, but
2: kind of like why diamonds are expensive is because someone has all the diamonds.
1: Yeah, just get lawmakers invested in the system, and, and they'll be championing the you know the success. I so, yeah. I don't think anyone at the moment is doing that in our community, and they should be engaging lawmakers. Where, aren't the buy doing something like that?
2: I mean, isn't that kind of what the ETF is? Or I mean, kind of. They just have a shitload of Bitcoin that they can then create an ETF because it's, you need a lot of Bitcoin to create an ETF for legal purposes. They're providing
1: market research and they, they just attempt to get favorable legislation and help businesses with Bitcoin. But it's, it's, I think it's too late now. Oh,
3: for the ETF? Yeah. What do you mean? How so? Oh, like the excitement's
1: gone and not, but nobody's going to jump on it. Yeah. And the system just routes around the old. There's no need for like a global Uh, I think think ETF
2: is best is like mainly useful for introducing Bitcoin to traditional investors so they can add it as a part of their portfolio. Now it's not going to get people who are into Bitcoin excited. It's going to get people to say they can tack it on to their portfolio in the way that they already trade or or invest or try and like prepare for retirement.
3: That's the thing that kind of pisses me off about institutions is they want to do all these big moves, but they don't want to take any risk. And it's like fuck you, man. Like you can't, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. You either eat it and enjoy it while it was there, or you set it on the counter and you stare at how awesome it is. But that's they can't. They try to do both things, and they, you know, they want to ETF because it's a little bit less risky. And it's like, oh, just buy some Bitcoin and stop being a twat muffin. I'll say that. I'll say that to somebody to their face.
2: I haven't heard that. Right I haven't heard that before. That's that's one that I have not I, heard.
3: I just put it together. Hot <laughs> I just put it together. But, I mean, they get language. on my nerves. Like the, uh, the traditional investment people are just like, I want exposure, but I don't want the risk. It's like, come on, man, give it the program. Everybody else has to take a risk.
2: It depends on where you are in life, how much money you have. I feel like a portion of your investment portfolio should be high risk. And depending on how much money you have to invest, it depends on that percentage and where you are in life, like how close you are to trying to retire. But a really great high risk investment is the cryptocurrency space. Because there's a lot, there's a chance for very high reward. And Bitcoin has proven so far to be, High risk, but continuously profitable since its inception in the long-term.
3: Yep. Are Eventually when, when it moves to low risk, people are going to lose their minds.
2: Although, except for us. I think there's going to be plenty of new high risk opportunities to, to jump into in this space. Yeah, man. Like think about all of the initial coin offerings going on right now, a plethora Dude, of I ways you can jump into one. a company for what, what would we do if we had
3: an ICO for the Bitcoin podcast? TBP coin. What, what it, would that coin
2: do? What's the point? Like, what what can people get out of that? What's the coin gonna offer? They could offer get. Them?
3: They could get battlefield one time exclusively with me. You gotta pay for it. <laughs> they could get. They <laughs> they could pay get for more it? of that. Yeah, they could get more of that time if they have more coins. And there's a reputation system. If they come in and try and drop in bombs, then I get to take all their tokens back. With I don't one, think you know how crypto
2: works. <laughs> with one private
1: key sweep. <laughs> This is clearly a Halo Two issue that he's is deep seated and rooted in his psyche. Yeah. Oh, oh, the in bombs that I heard. Yeah. You've Did been taking that with you for like ten years. <laughs>
3: We're gonna go on a story. Did I tell you guys about the time where I I unracist somebody on the internet?
2: No, I was probably okay, there, the but no. Oh, I told
3: you about it. It was a while. It was, it was playing Halo Two, and I was playing one on one with a guy. On the map where there's that big rock bridge that you can climb up to get the rocket launcher and then there's the two little bases and they have each have a basement mm-hmm. and i'm blood playing one-on-one not blood gulch that's the big one i'm talking about the small map okay we'll continue anyway. uh but the guy's like oh nigger this nigger that you blacky darky blah 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 every it's like he had a a thesaurus right next to him and and like had nigger and then he's just
0: like (laughs) if you're sensitive to i was
3: i was i was impressed but i was beating his ass and so (laughs) he was like oh let's do this again let's do this again and like we rematched for seriously like an hour and i beat him every fucking time and by the end of it it ended up being like almost a friendship. He was like, you know, man, I'm really not even racist. Like, I actually go to Texas A&M. You go to Tech, right? And I was like, yeah, I told you that a while ago. He's like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Whenever I play Halo, I just really want to be racist. <laughs> and I was Did like, you say yeah, that, man. But that
2: means you, know you are racist. <laughs> that that, yeah, that you're, makes you a racist. You're a racist. You're a racist. You're just afraid to do it in public. Like, I don't people realize that. <laughs>
3: Oh man, I was like, "Yeah, man, that's a real problem that you have, and you should work on that." And I mean, we could play big team battle if you like, but I don't think you're gonna.
1: I only you know, hate like... Muslims while I play the Battlefield. Otherwise, I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was a good. That was a good day. That was a good you know. Day. You know what, though, maybe racist trolls don't really understand racism. We could that. I guess we could dive into a whole other topic about Damn, that
3: but we just open up the psychology bomb that racist trolls on the internet are only racist because they don't understand racism
1: whoa your kids kids are gonna
3: experience it yeah they'll never get on xbox live <laughs> ever <laughs> gonna, if i catch them on xbox live i'm smashing that xbox like as it's gonna happen <laughs>
2: All right, let's uh let's uh, let's, let's transition to our interview now that we've we yeah. covered the we, co- we cover the yeah. racist card.
1: She is the uh she runs marketing at Consensus. Uh and to prove just how smart and talented she is, Forbes magazine listed her as one of the 30 under 30 in media. So she's a pretty big deal. So she's going to give us a little perspective behind the scenes. Yeah, she she's gives us a really good try. idea
2: of like like what Consensus is trying to do and the overall like Idea behind the company and where they're moving, and like handling something that large, especially like public outreach for something that large, has to be difficult. So I mean, she's been in the space for a long time in terms of like financial marketing, and like that. So it's 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 interesting to see that they were able to pull in someone that was that good, and it speaks a lot to how how much this crypto community has grown. I mean, we and we always see like you know, banking CEO comes in to talk into into Bitcoin and leaves the, the traditional world of finance to, to this new startup. But you're seeing other aspects of people in that same space that aren't like like the like the the actual banking folks, but the people in the rest of the stack that make those businesses work are also coming into this because I guess now that we have a lot more infrastructure, we need the rest of the team to tell people about what we're starting to build to like, so that they can help understand it because nerds talking to other people about what they're building typically doesn't go very well because we're not very good at articulating what we're doing. That's understandable. So yeah, I I, Amanda, I, I was happy to hear that, have this interview.
3: Amanda, I think you're amazing and your accolades speak for yourself as does your amazing hair. Yeah. So Here
2: it is. All right. Today we have Amanda Guterman on the show from Consensus Media. Uh, Amanda, you want to give yourself a short introduction on what you do and um, how you got into the space initially?
4: Sure. So I run marketing at Consensus. Um, Consensus is one of the largest pure um, blockchain technology shops. We focus on building decentralized applications on the Ethereum platform. And my job is to tell the story of uh, decentralization and of apps so people can understand uh, how the world is decentralizing and how they can get involved.
2: I feel that that's a, an incredibly important thing nowadays, at least in the stage in which all of this technology is, is the is the, the public out, outreach side of this. and how it's done is, I guess, had, there's a lot of varying opinions on what's what's to be put at the forefront of this technology. Do we cover it up and, I wouldn't say obfuscate it, but make the user completely oblivious to what's going on, but just give them really good applications that they couldn't do beforehand? Or do we like dive in and tell them what's going on and why they should care? Do we have to try and make them care in order for them to get to use the technology? What's... I guess yours and consensus's stand on like how to push this technology out into masses.
4: That's a really good question. And we actually are taking kind of a, a multi-pronged approach to it. I mean, one way to think about it, how many people actually know that an application that they're using is using an SAP database, for example, you don't need to know that in order to enjoy you know, using a certain application. And you could think of blockchain um, and Ethereum that way, that users will be sold based on the, um, the value proposition of an individual, you know, application or service, and that they won't be sold by the fact that it's run on a blockchain. And I think that's probably true. I think for all of the, we're we're a blockchain venture studio is a a part of what we do. So we take projects from the idea stage to the project stage to eventually spinning out as companies. And one of the things we think about is making sure that products are marketable in and of themselves so that they're not dependent on saying like, this is a blockchain product in order to appeal to users. Mm -hmm. They need to have an intrinsic value proposition. At the same time though, we do need to be making the case to businesses uh, why, you know, exploring blockchain is going to be helpful to them to increase their, you know, efficiency, transparency, security, etc. So that's, you know, a type of storytelling that we need to to do, especially our enterprise side when we approach uh, business relationships. And in general, I, I do think that people who aren't technical would benefit from an understanding of blockchain. And decentralizing technologies, because at the end of the day, this is really the next generation of the internet. And just you know internet, people deserve to know how the technology they're using works and how it reflects um, the way things are changing worldwide from from centralized data silos toward you know a more user-centric or even self-sovereign vision of identity and a new way of interacting with the internet that puts the user first. And, and that, that vision, which is really the vision of the Ethereum platform is so, um, that users really, you know, deserve to hear that story and deserve to understand the technology that they're engaging with. So, so the plan, you know, for storytelling is definitely multi-pronged in that way.
2: Yeah. I can definitely see that. And trying to make something that pushes out to all the varying aspects of who's going to be, I guess, interacting with this from a business standpoint or an end user standpoint. There's definitely different ways in which you need to approach it. And like Ethereum, I, I, I guess, is that potentially why you chose consensus and maybe mainly focused on the Ethereum platform? Because they seem yeah. to be very friendly towards all aspects of approaching the blockchain. You have developer side trying to build businesses that do things that are based on a blockchain outside of financial technology. As well as trying, to, it seems as though people are trying to make things that are very easy to approach from an end user standpoint that just allow them to do things. Is that is is, is there? Do you have reasoning as to why consensus is mainly focused on Ethereum.
4: Yeah. So, um, so Vitalik Buterin was the original and um, founder of Ethereum, and. In uh, 2012-2013, he was working on um, meta protocols on top of the Bitcoin blockchain, he was working on colored coins, and he thought, you know, the, the scripting language associated with the Bitcoin blockchain is great if, you know, and Bitcoin is an amazing experiment in monetary theory, you know, well as a transfer and store of value but in order to create not only more sophisticated financial products, but also decentralized applications and services that we really need in order to usher in the decentralized Web 3.0. More complete world computer, we need a full full computing platform, a a richer scripting language and set of tools so we can create, among other things, some wraparounds for normal users and for developers with um, you know, normal uh, proficiencies in different languages to be able to interact with it. So, so the the promise of Ethereum, you know, which is only a few years old compared to Bitcoin, which first came out in 2008 and you know operated relatively in obscurity until the price boom in 2012. Um, the promise of Ethereum is really to be a platform. For a much wider range of um, of applications, uh, some more sophisticated financial products, and even you know a platform for for governments to begin moving uh, paper-based services and you know record keeping to you know shared source of truth resources. so the, the applications are so broad and sweeping when I first learned about Ethereum uh, when it was first fully explained to me, I was up almost all night, you know imagining. Of where this technology could take us, and I think I mean that's why that it attracts me to consensus. There are so many different use cases that we're exploring at all times for this technology. Um, that it's always it's always new things. It's like the reinvention of the internet wherever Ethereum is concerned.
2: It's definitely an exciting time to kind of be like to have your finger on the pulse of what's going on, and there, it's 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 almost too much to take in. Actually, it probably is too much to take in. I mean, we do this full time and. I still don't understand all the things that are currently going on in the space. I was like shifting a little bit, I guess, uh, like going into a little bit more of maybe what you specialize in. I'm sure you've heard of platforms like yours, Akasha, uh, different companies that are trying to take advantage of blockchain tech to then take over, replace the likes of Reddit and Facebook and these other kind of content giants or content Titans. And uh, it, it seems as every day we wake up, there's a new one that's trying to overclose SoundCloud and Twitter and things like that in a decentralized manner. Now, obviously, I don't want to. We don't want to deter startups like this from trying to do this. But do you ultimately feel like they're going to be successful?
4: So, <clears throat> I think that the decentralized web is going to call for um, types of media platforms, and I think it's possible that the current popular media platforms will adapt to decentralization and to to blockchains i think it's also possible that new new platforms will will spring up that that better reflect those um those ideologies and decentralization i think you know so so you introduced me as you know consensus media but i I run marketing for for consensus in general consensus Mm -hmm. media is a place where we publish a lot of thought leadership from our from our personnel and we you know we, we are pursuing and thinking about pursuing a number of um, projects, one of which um, I wrote a piece a while ago about um, blockchain and ethereum based solutions to the, the fake news problem. Uh, in general, what I find is that wherever wherever trust is a problem, blockchain can be a solution. I think right now there's a lot of um, lack of trust in media. Um, you know, this fake news conversation has really brought a lot of that to a head, and I think that you know, connecting attestations and reputational attributes to identities or to media entities or domains is going to be a really essential way for people to, um, to vet that they're getting good information, and to do that in a way that's not coming from a centralized authority, but that really relies on, um, relies on people. Um, and, and people gaining reputation within within a system and becoming better and better, you know, vetters for everyone else. And I think that's kind of the model that we're going to see increasingly, less, you know, centralized control over, you know, what's good and what's not, and more um, decision making. So, and, and I think we're going to see that, you know, I, I think there are some really, low hanging fruit use cases for blockchains in terms of that fake news problem in terms of ad tech um, i think there are you know in in terms of creating uh, connecting creators directly with their audiences to do you know peer to um, peer peer to peer content sharing you know i i, I think the, the, the opportunities are um, are enormous. I think it's going to be a question of which platform gains market share and gets traction first.
2: It's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting world because not only is the reputation working on being baked into the system, like the fundamental infrastructure, but also value transfer and, and money is baked right into the infrastructure as well. And it seems as though these new content platforms that are trying to start up allow the people to create the content creators directly and not have to go through these intermediaries, which really shifts the monetization scheme of ad revenue drastically on its head. Do you feel that like that, that traditional model of, of content monetization is going to be, is going to slowly fall by the wayside? And if so, what, like how do advertisers adapt
4: yeah, so I, I think that actually um, <clears throat> the increased transparency of a blockchain enabled mediascape will mean that marketers can more directly connect with and verify mm-hmm. um, where their advertisements are being placed so we can eventually avoid a scenario like the Russian hacker we read about recently, who siphoned off millions in ad revenue through, through basically ad fraud. And I think it'll actually help advertisers and marketers to better gather data on how their ads are performing and where their ads are being displayed, because right now it can be kind of a black box between mm-hmm. uh, the marketer and the publisher on the other side. But I, I think you touched on something that's really key here, which is that identity. Is the foundational layer of all of this. I mean, in order to interact with the internet today, in order to even you know have that to sign on and have a relationship, requires you to log in through through Google or through Facebook, um, which is a big you know honeypot data silo uh, that that. <laughs> what they're making money off of are, is your data, and they're painting you know, a full data-driven picture of an individual, and they're you know, monetizing that data and leveraging it. The, um, the decentralized web and, and decentralized world puts the user first and puts that person Back in charge of his or her identity, and that identity, that cryptographic, you know, public-private key pairing that a person emerges onto the decentralized web with, that that it functions like this portable wallet that can collect all of these different attributes from from media consumption to you know money and transaction history to you know how you interact, you know, wh- whether you've ever defrauded someone on eBay. Oh, you know what your what your Uber driver rating is, and and this really allows a much richer picture and data set to be painted of an individual person, con- compared to you know all of these individual companies having their own independent sort of data silos about a person, and 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 this user can choose to shield his or her identity, um, or to give it out. Whenever, whenever he or she chooses. And the amount of meta-efficiencies that can be collected societally from having these rich data sets on individuals and having shared source of truth resources um, where you can get a really great sense of uh, of who somebody is. You know, Just the amount of redundant processes, know your customer checks, et cetera, that that will eliminate the need for. I think is going to un- unlock some pretty powerful, you know, meta efficiencies within societies, and we're actually one of our um, one of our products here is called is called Uport, U P O R T. They're actually going into an alpha phase right now. I'm currently um, testing
2: Uport. It's it's been it's been fantastic.
4: Yeah, it's, and and that's really that that portal. Um, to to really access this web in a way that brings the power back back to the user. So we're hoping to connect a number of decentralized applications and services to that to that identity feature. And that's really the the foundational element on which you know trust, reputation, um, accruing attestations can really begin.
2: So you feel I mean, because what we, what we've talked about and what you've mentioned are your beautiful visions of what Is going to be but not necessarily what is based on current implementation of the technology we have like Uport just reaches alpha and a lot in terms of mass user adoption can't happen until you have that stable and solid do you feel like I mean because I guess what you've been talking about and what people don't quite understand is that all of this like this redundancy can be can be eliminated because Everything that's built on the Ethereum blockchain can all speak the same language, which allows you to interoperate between whatever applications you want seamlessly from the same interface, kind of like the WeChat, but in a very self-sovereign way.
0: <laughs>
4: yeah. Uh, so.
2: When I, when I, so do you like, do you what's the time frame like? How do you feel the space is going to be moving over the next couple of years and. Do you think will be relegated to Ethereum only? Or is because I feel like interoper, interoperability of blockchains is coming. Is is that something you're looking into from a system, or, or is it kind of sticking with Ethereum?
4: Yeah. So so Ethereum. Um, th- there are you know interoperability projects being worked on, and there are a number of. Pretty sophisticated tokens and um, and financial products being built on Ethereum. in in terms of In terms of the next few years, um, it, I think it's important to split this into a couple of different contexts. Um, Accenture really recently came out and said something like every self-respecting innovation lab is you know experimenting with or running Ethereum right now. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing a, um, a a lot of adoption of of Ethereum in particular, and of open source from, um, from Fortune 500 companies and large financial institutions. And mostly they're, they're adopting blockchains in a private permission context. Um, recently it was announced that you know Enterprise Ethereum would be launching in 2017, and we're going to have some exciting news about that coming out in February, um, hoping to set some standards for you know enterprises that want to that want to adopt ethereum right now in a private permission context but eventually um, eventually in other contexts so, so in, in that private context it's really becoming the the de facto blockchain of choice and you see you know open source surging in popularity with jp morgan publicly open sourcing their quorum platform microsoft and bletchley the major players getting involved here uh, the, the, the second the second part of this is the the Ethereum mainnet and and that's you know pretty different from the private permission context that that those Fortune five hundred companies and enterprises are operating in already um, the, the the Ethereum main I mean it's important to understand that Ethereum is a relatively new technology really um, really just beginning to be used in in twenty fourteen there are all kinds of planned um, Updates and upgrades to the to the Ethereum mainnet, like um, like proof of stake and sharding, and you know, not going to go too deep into those here. But um, there there are plans in place to um, to make sure um, the public Ethereum mainnet is going to you know be able to support all of these applications and services. And we're you know we're launching applications on Ethereum. This within the year, this year, and and even more coming out next year. I, I think the you know the next few years are going to be really key. I think 2017 is going to be really key.
2: I agree. And uh, the way I've kind of I guess the way I try and explain this to others in terms of private blockchains versus public blockchains is is it's a matter of scale. In the beginning of the internet, the internet couldn't scale properly. So and every and and. Because of that, you had a lot of private companies not trusting it. So they built their own personal internet called an intranet. And then over time, as the internet was cabled to scale, they were able to then kind of latch into the internet more and more and more until we have what we have today. And it's a very similar scenario where you have public private blockchains scaling and keeping their kind of their business private. Until the public chain can scale appropriately and offer the solutions and privacy concerns that consortiums may need, and two thousand seventeen is kind of the very, very, very baby steps of getting to that type of model, in my personal opinion.
4: Yeah, I mean, we're it, it, the Ethereum community of developers. I mean, and we we main t- maintain two out of two out of the. Um, Ethereum protocols. So, so we're very involved on the um, core component level and you know low level protocol um, level. And you know the, the Ethereum community has something like twenty thousand developers in it who are really active. Some really great large companies who are contributing. So we feel confident that we're going to get those updates and to be able to scale um, soon. I, I I agree with your um, intranet internet. Um, Comparison. I think the rollout is going to look something like that with, with the internet. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, twenty seventeen is going to be the year for a lot of a lot more adoption. I think, and of the Ethereum mainnet beginning to really be able to to scale and take off.
2: So, what are you excited about personally? Not consensus, but you, Amanda.
4: <laughs> uh, me personally, so. Things that um, it really excites me, and, and some of the consensus, some consensus personnel are involved in this, and some other people are involved in this from other blockchain companies. We were at this uh, forum the other day, which is called Women in Blockchain, that some of us help organize. To, to a reporter there, who was surprised at you know the, the really large showing, and you know how many people were, you know, women who are technologists and developers were getting involved. You know, there were a lot of men there too. Um, and what I was saying is that, you know, at the core, it's a technology of inclusion. Uh, it has the potential to bring into the global financial system the 2.5 billion people on earth who are right now unbanked, who aren't able to get access to government services, to legal services, aren't able to secure contracts, aren't able to secure loans because they don't have an identity or a bank account or a financial history. And I think what this is going to end up unlocking is uh, bringing in a huge number of participants in the global economy who've been, um, who've been isolated in the past. And I, I, I think that all of the technologies that have really made a huge impact on humanity are the ones that have allowed us to communicate in bigger groups with more trust. And I think, you know, bringing people into a global trust system in a way that, you know, can't be manipulated by, you know, a corrupt government or by a single individual or by, you know, someone who wants to negatively alter the course of history. I, I think the potential for inclusion here is uh, is enormous. And that's that, that's the thing that really wakes me up in the morning.
2: Yeah, I think you get on a really strong nerve there because our, our we have a community uh, among the podcasts where people can come and talk to us and kind of tell us their story in a Slack channel. And we've been we've reached out to a lot of uh, different women and minorities in the podcast and Slack itself. And it's, it seems to be a central theme is how much they're impressed with their ability to be involved and feel like they belong or they can contribute in a manner in which they couldn't in the past. It, they feel included. And uh, that's something that we're all really excited about as well. It's it's this the idea of as a, as a foundational layer again. It's a technology of inclusion. It it it's better when more people use it, and in, in a fair way too. So I'm uh, I'm 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 agreeing with you and your kind of excitement on that because it's 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 definitely something that I that we feel the same way in the podcast about. All right. I think that uh, that's a pretty decent way to sum it up. Would you have anything that you'd like our listeners to hear or plug, or is there any question that I should have asked? did yeah, sure.
4: Didn't? So <laughs> no. Um, so th- those are great questions. Um, I guess you know we have a wonderful uh, weekly newsletter at Consensus. You can um, you can sign up for it at consensus.net. That's, I mean, Consensus is spelled C-O-N-S-E-N-S-Y-S. It's a condensation of Consensus Systems, which is our official name. Um, we're also at Consensus LLC on Twitter um, to find out. Those are great ways to find out updates from us. And our our newsletter is really one of the core um, newsletters of the blockchain and Ethereum communities. So that would be a great resource if you're interested in some more information from Consensus.
2: Also, what was the name of that women's meetup that you mentioned?
4: Yeah, it's called Women in Blockchain. Um, I can actually send you. I can send you the handle for the meetup. It's a. It's a great. It's a great community um, platform for people to um, to come together and talk about how we have a unique opportunity to learn from technologies of the past that have struggled with inclusion and how we can make sure to have the community around Ethereum and blockchain really reflect the structure of the technology itself.
2: That sounds great. I would like to include that in our show notes so people can get a, get, get at that if they if they feel they'd like to.
4: Absolutely. Great.
2: All right, Amanda. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it.
4: Thanks for having me.
3: And that was the interview with Amanda Guterman it was great um hope you guys enjoy the interview and um you will do a little bit more research into the awesome work she's got going on obviously consensus is a big effing deal and ethereum is continuously pushing the boundary of being a super big effing deal so if you don't have any ethereum get some um I wish, that and I wish that was her tagline
2: wish that was her tagline consensus if you don't have a any- big effing deal
3: we're a big F and deal. Yeah, and like I feel like the way we market things is the way everyone should. You I know, feel like, like
2: the I feel like the community would, would be much more accepted if yep. everything we marketed was like, you know, escrow your shit with escrow my bits.
3: Yeah, it's just really nonchalant. You need to do these things because it's, it's you know escrow your shit with escrowmybits.com. You know, like it's 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 that it's plain and simple consensus we're big and deal uh ledger store your shit safely like i feel like it's just a... anyways hello you said that you wanted to say some things right you said that you wanted
1: to okay ads oh ads. I, yeah those things <laughs> yeah uh you know it's kind of crazy is that people wrote in they still didn't know what escrow is they even though they've been our sponsor for like
2: I don't know, 80 episodes. So <laughs> I we must have explained what escrow is countless times. And if you don't, I don't know, it's, it's just boring to do the standard, you know, cut to the 60 second ad that's always the same.
1: Yeah, just do yourself a favor, Google what escrow is, and then take advantage of our great sponsor, Escrow My Bits. Um, all you got to do is register and deposit your Bitcoin to which the seller will ship your item and then you can check the goods. And if you give it a thumbs up, then the funds get released. So it's the last step versus it usually being the first step. So uh, they offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So no matter where you are in the world, uh, it kind of evens out, so it's no problem. And your funds are kept in a secure two of three multi-signature transaction. They're only gonna hold one of those keys and the rest are yours. So you know, the service was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around again google escrow find out about it use it their goal is to make escrow as simple as possible and uh you know Corey d and i we we don't want there to be any excuses on why not to use it so start that process go to their website even sign up for that newsletter what the hell i don't know if
2: you know know that uh so like last i think it was the episode you weren't on last cello did the i'm sorry d did the escrow my bits plug and initially called someone a child for not knowing what escrow was and that, that no one should not know what it was. And then he immediately went and explained what escrow was.
1: <laughs> yes, it's but like, then someone came into the Slack and said, Guess I'm a child with a sad face. That was Dylan.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah. He's like, he's like, I don't need to explain what escrow is. You're a child who don't understand what escrow is. And then he immediately explained what escrow was.
0: Yeah. 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 I
3: was being, I, I don't even know why i did that but
2: <laughs> it happened uh, what else do we have what else do we have what, what else are we peddling uh
1: we're peddling um under
2: armor nope, no stop.
1: Not under armor or ballpark franks or anything else you're um, not allowed to do advertisements ever again <laughs> uh the the most trusted name of bitcoin atms and they also uh sponsor our meetups in philly so this is a really great company called athena bitcoin uh, they're in Cedar Hill, Dallas, Houston, Fort Worth, a bunch of other U.S. cities. Uh, we love them. Uh, download the Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play. And for specific locations, I know I kind of just did a quick overview, but they're in a lot of places. So go to athenabitcoin.com. And we're also brought to you by their portfolio company, bitquick.co. It's, man, it's easy, it's quick, it's secure. It's all the, all the things that are uh, you, you want to tick off on a list that you that you want to use. Uh, you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. And they've been serving Bitcoiners since 2013. So that's four years now. So, where there's a bank, there's BitQuick.
2: I'll say that, like, people who can't use the internet, like so, like, so, for instance, I was listening to a podcast, I was listening to our podcast, and you talked about escrow month bids. And then I was like, oh man, what the hell is escrow? I would mm-hmm. just fucking Google it because. That's how you figure things out. I would literally Google what is escrow or just escrow. And I'd be like, right. and, then, and then three seconds later, I'd be like, oh, that's what it means. That's what escrow my bits does. And that's it. I wouldn't, like, no longer are the days where you have to walk around and not answer questions.
1: So do I even have to tell people what VPN services are? Or do I just give them the link and tell them to Google that shit?
2: Yeah, you can do that. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Our next sponsor is VPN services. Google that shit. Um, it it's is only cheap. three thirty-three 33 a month.
2: <laughs> it's cheap.
1: It's <laughs> cheap. Once you Google it, you'll be like, that's cheap for what I'm getting.
2: And easy. Like it's, They make it so easy. So if you know what VPN is, it's typically not that easy. Yeah. They make it easy for you. And it's cheap. Yeah. Why aren't Google- you doing it? That's a better so, that's a better question. from
3: now on, you know, cuz remember when we first started the show, we had that one guy that was like the show was good after 5 minutes of advertisements and you were like, dude, chill out. If you ever listen to Why a podcast
2: do- ever again, like like yeah. who who does it two ads in a podcast.
3: Yeah, like so so should we put like uh, hey, here's our here's our advertisers. Here's our sponsors. Google them and then
2: just talk say what they are and then just move on. <laughs> i'd be or curious to see how month? long we hold yeah. on to our sponsors if we did that yeah yeah, yeah. these people Anyways. analysts paid us to do this podcast google them google. to figure out what they do <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, remember, I remember we started our podcast and i burped and one guy was like no nah, i'm not gonna listen to you guys
2: you guys are I'm gross sick. yeah <laughs> you you sir have a very unfun life
3: yeah. when we talk, when we talked about the virtual reality uh sex masturbation machine at the very top of the episode, I do believe that that could have offended some people.
2: Oh, we've gone in one. on some 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 things. But <laughs> so what? Yeah. So
1: right. uh private internet dot com visit it. <laughs> no,
2: don't go to that. Don't go to that. Go to the link in the description of this of this episode so that you can feed us money. Feed, it. feed Is us there a money?
3: tornado happening right now?
1: Oh, you can hear that? Yeah. Yeah, my city does a tornado warning once a week. I didn't think you could hear it. Sorry. Well, we're in the same city. I was hearing it too. That's why I was asking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what Actually, it's like the Aziz Ansari is like, VPN services. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah. Yeah. That's
3: what <laughs> that is. Okay, so let's move a little bit into... Okay, so I had my first Ethereum question, and I couldn't get a great answer to it and i i wanted to stop from being the hey cut that shit out this is about bitcoin you can take that ethereum question elsewhere so what's a good way besides me taking the easy route and saying like oh bitcoin is to gold as ethereum is to oil because which isn't necessarily the best one-to-one analogy or metaphor
1: Okay. So what's a good way
3: to what? Yeah, what's well, a good way to explain Ethereum in a way that kind of on-ramps people to the understanding of what Ethereum is?
2: Ethereum and why is people are going a, bananas over it. Ethereum is a decentralized computer that stores essentially stores business logic on it. You can make an application, embed that application. So a smart contract is better off being called an automaton or a robot. You You build this robot to do certain tasks and which, which can include handling money or allowing access to certain things or just storing a variable. And then you embed mm-hmm. it into the blockchain. And so after it's embedded into the blockchain, you then have this smart contract that can do certain things and be interacted with and can also be called by other smart contracts. So robots can talk to robots. Now, mm. So it's a, it's a world computer. And it can't be changed because it's in the blockchain, right? That's kind of the whole idea mm-hmm. of embedding something in a blockchain. Now, once you have that, you can then interact with it, and it and it can't change. You just call it, call the functions that are embedded into it. And that's it. So then, when you build applications that interact with smart contracts, you don't have to have a like a centralized server to have a back end to your application, and there's no mm. central c- central point of failure, and a lot of other stuff. And so, like so the, the business logic run. of applications is handled automatically by these robots in the blockchain these robots are called smart contracts and Mm. so people are finding really creative ways of building robots that talk to other robots that are like this giant network of smart contracts that can talk to each other and do certain things and every time you add one more to it that can interact with the other ones the whole network gets better so what's the what's the value of an ethereum token the value of ethereum token the token that's on the Ethereum network, Ether, is that it speaks the same language of every single application built on that network so that mm. you can use anything you want in the same platform. It also works as just trading value because being able to speak the same language on a network of a lot of different applications is valuable. You make it everything sound so sexy sometimes, Dr. Petty. That's, that's, that's my job. What I do like, I spend an exorbitant amount of time trying to figure out why these things are important or like why it's different than anything else and why I should care because I do care and how they're built <clears throat> and like you have to so come up I with guess... ways of explaining it to people and I want to try and see it from everybody's different perspective so that like if I can see it why it would be beneficial to a banker I can explain it to him in banking terms I can see it why it would be interesting to someone who's just on Facebook. I can explain it to them why it's important to them in Facebook terms. you know so like everyone has a different perspective and a vocabulary that they use and pictures that they understand, and you need to be able to explain the technology to them in their own language for other people to understand
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's say I'm using facebook I can't. I can't talk to friends or do searches until the company is able to fix it. So when something goes wrong or shuts down, the whole thing shuts down. And that's the weakness of the centralized internet.
2: Well oh, there's, a, there's the a internet. another huge aspect of that, which is who owns the data that gets put on Facebook. Right. Facebook does. That's, they own all of it. Who cares? Like, who cares? Well, if your identity is now becoming more and more linked with Facebook. You sign into a new application, log in with Facebook because they have your identity.
1: Well, I think that's what yours was like. I guess they thought that was like a concern for people. I don't think people yeah. really care.
2: Well, when it, it doesn't 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 matter until it doesn't work. Or yeah. like people are like Facebook is profiting profiting greatly off of everyone else's data, like. The people who use Facebook are the product of Facebook. Yeah, but no one's putting a gun to your head to
1: use it. You know?
2: No, not at all. It's just convenient. It's really convenient. But if there was an alternative, I'd imagine people would switch over to it.
1: You know, like getting double cheeseburgers is convenient. But if McDonald's makes you fat, it's not their fault.
2: No, it's not your at all. fault. Actually, I just listened listen to a co- comedy special about that. Uh, but like, I guess another aspect of what's cool about Ethereum is. Like right now, if you want to sign on for a new application or use a new service, you got to sign up for it and re-enter that same damn information, like your name, your email, where you're from, that type of crap. Yeah. Within a With a platform like Ethereum and what, like, what blockchains try to offer is that you have the same identity. It works everywhere. You don't have to sign in for a service. You just use the service and it already knows who you are and what your credentials are and how much money you have. Like. You can, you can use your identity to pay for things automatically. I mean, it doesn't know what your identity is. It just mm. asks. So you don't have to like... That's a dangerous okay, thing redundantly we're going use. Well like, well, like you own all of this information. It's not on a public ledger unless you put it on the public ledger. Because blockchain is a push technology instead of a pull technology. Like I give people access to something that I own and I'll push it to them instead of them pulling it from somewhere else or like me pulling that information and then giving it to someone else.
3: Yeah. It'd be a lot easier to not get random phone calls talking about some, you've won a vacation to Tahiti. All you have to do is give us your identity.
2: (laughs) So information is, is, is what is powerful and valuable these days and who has access, whoever has access to that information can make Mm -hmm. a profit off of it. So hopefully, technologies that give the information holding back to the individual who rightly should own that information should potentially make profit off of it if they would like to share it with others. The big point of that is if they would like to share it with others. They don't have to. Mm. Right now, mm. we're, not, we don't, we're not given the option to make the choices okay. on what we share. So that's going to be how
3: I go about explaining ethereum to people because believe it or not i've actually got more questions in real life from my colleagues at work about ethereum than i have about bitcoin
0: yeah so So everybody who's
3: been working in business too long has it in their mind that the dollar is the only ever thing ever so like as soon as i talk about bitcoin they're like oh yeah but it's not going to be legal tender." i'm no longer willing to have this conversation and it's like oh you guys are broken but it's okay
2: Um, Here's here's an interesting part about a lot of people's first inclination when they talk, when they try and like hate on Ethereum is that they say Bitcoin has been around for a lot longer. So it's got a better track record in history. And that's true for financial applications that deal with trading money. Mm -hmm. Now, Ethereum is the only one in the space that's been around doing smart contracts or these robots. And, everything that they've learned in terms of how to handle these things has come through. So they're like, if you want to deal with smart contracts right now, the most robust platform to do that on is this Ethereum. Is I'm not Ethereum. saying that's going to be that way forever, but Bitcoin can't handle the smart contract capability that Ethereum can. And when Rootstock comes online, it may be able to, but it won't have the track record despite its financial security that it's, it's gained over the, over the past. It's, that track record and stability associated with smart contracts and building applications on a blockchain is only Ethereum. Everything else is a child. That's why it's important. And that's why it has the market cap that it does and why it's gonna to maintain to be stable is because it's, it's pulled that corner out and become a champion in that corner. And if people find that application useful, they have to go to that platform because that's where it's most secure or where the most tools are and the easiest way to get started that's why i like it but i still love bitcoin too so it's like it's you don't have to only love one mm, sound like a true player
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay you know uh me. so yeah captain married so <laughs> uh, so i don't know every the space moves really really fast but i also think that um it's not too hard to keep up with if you say tapped in. So let's talk about ways to tap in. If you listen to the show, you're tapped into us. That's great. That's how you tap in. All right. Done. All right, cool. Those are the plugs. That's it. Those are the plugs. <laughs> it. Are the plugs. Got
0: it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, uh, you can find us at, at the BTC podcast on Twitter. Chella runs the Twitter. You've been tweeting him who cares. For a little while now and we forgot about that challenge that we submitted to everyone so we've yeah, just been getting our, <laughs> our,
2: our community <laughs> hates us and then Say what?
3: Yeah. <laughs> cello's like damn what do you mean who cares
2: what chill has been feeling down like really down and, and like depleted since since that every time you post something <laughs> someone responds with who cares <laughs>
3: i forget i forgot even what the hell we said it just takes me a while to remember it's like
1: oh yeah we told we told them to tweet at us yeah. so tweet me uh hashtag eat shit and die and i'll send you a dollar but make sure you <laughs> s- you tweet me like five days after the episode airs so i forget <laughs> set
3: yes time your tweet yeah. for five days from when you hear it so it's like three months down
1: the line <laughs> shit and die is yeah, the big just, one. who cares who cares eat shit who cares
0: <laughs> Shit. Uh,
1: um,
3: I'm gonna do it again because I thought it was exciting, and I'm gonna say, if you would like ten dollars in Bitcoin, you know what? Not Bitcoin. I, I I'm holding on to my Ethereum right now. If you like ten dollars in Bitcoin, you can tweet, uh, the show, um, with the hashtag. Let's see here. Should I say, hashtag uh, Bring Back Spawn, and I want to see how much because I want a new Spawn movie, and I want to try and break the internet with my little podcast. First person to do it, first person to do it gets ten dollars. Not everyone who does it. Okay, we gotta make that. We gotta make that. The film had we like a good soundtrack year.
1: too. It's
3: the Spawn soundtrack?
1: Yeah, it was really good.
3: I think John Leguzamu should have got an Oscar. We're playing the clown.
1: I don't think he should have gotten that Oscar. That movie did not age well.
3: Have you seen it lately? Holy <laughs> shit, <laughs> yeah.
1: man. It's a good movie. It's just it doesn't age well.
3: It's basically, I don't know, there's this movie in the 80s called I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker." I don't know if yeah. you've seen it or not, but that's what Spawn feels like when I go back and watch it. Like I'm gonna get you, sucker, but I'm uh, the devil's knight. I don't know. Anyways,
1: I'm going to get you sucking as basically Black Dynamite.
3: Yeah, it was Black Dynamite before Black Dynamite was Black Dynamite. 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 Dynamite.
2: All right.
3: (laughs) Get out of here. Are we done? We're done. All right. Zoe Saldana, you know I love you. If it doesn't work out with that dude that has your last name, because that's strange, you you know where to find me. So. And thanks for listening to
1: us on Super Bowl Sunday. For real, though. Yep.
3: Oh, I forgot. Yeah, go uh, Patriots. They're probably gonna win. So. Go Panthers. Who cares? Uh, well, play.